Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Good evening, everybody. Really, really looking forward to seeing you all on tonight. I've got a bit of a treat for you, and I think you're going to find it really, really special. We've got a brilliant guest on with us this evening, Dr. Kath Bishop. And Dr. Kath Bishop has just recently written, um, according to the Financial Times, one of the top 10 uh, business books of uh, 2020. Um, she is a former Olympian and did, uh, may achieve some amazing things. And what she's going to help be discussing with us this evening is we're going to be discussing together success and actually breaking down that principle of success and how you can become more successful in your life. We're also going to talk about how you can transfer lessons from other areas like sport and relationships into your success and create better results. Join on and enjoy the ride. We're going to be in for a great podcast interview tonight, one that I've certainly been looking forward to and one I think is going to be absolutely awesome. So I'm going to bring on Kath now, Dr. Kath. So how are you doing? You good? Yeah, all good. Thanks. Great to be here. Brilliant. Okay, so uh, really looking forward to talking to you tonight, Dr. Kath. We're going to call you uh, Kath for simplicity, as we've, uh, we've pre-agreed behind the scenes. Really, really pleased to have you on and looking forward to all the different sort of wisdom that you've got to drop. I think what we'll do, if, if we can, is why don't we start off just learning a little bit about your backstory. Uh, as I said on the introduction, that you've recently written a, a, a top 10 uh, business book, according to the Financial Times, which I think is really fascinating. I uh, really want to try and understand how you've uh, you've got there and what that process has been like and a little bit about your journey. So do you want to start off sharing that with us, Kath? That'd be absolutely awesome. Sure. Great. Thanks, Adam. Lovely to be here and, and looking forward to talking about my favorite topic, which is how we define success, because how we define success drives the way we think, what we actually then do, how we behave, how we connect with others. So I have been thinking about this question through all the different careers that I've had. So I was for 10 years an Olympic rower. I went to three Olympic Games and the first two were not that successful. And actually the sort of obsession with trying to win all the time wasn't actually helping my performance at all. So I went through a big transition in the third Olympics I went to that enabled me to win a silver medal, but but also, you know, win the world championships the year before. And we'll maybe dig into that a bit more. I then had a career for 12 years as a diplomat working for the Foreign Office and involved in particularly conflict issues around the world. So, you know, years of negotiations. And again, thinking about what are the things that help you negotiate? You kind of often think it starts off, it's about how smart you are, how much knowledge you have. But once you're in a negotiating room, it's all about people. It's all about how you connect. I've now been working as a business coach 
So working on issues, you know, building teams, exec teams, leadership, developing leaders, working on leadership programs for the last seven or eight years and seeing inside organizations that how success is defined, again, can often drive people to limit themselves, to compete unnecessarily, to sabotage people around them for the sake of hitting some kind of metric that seems really important. So, you know, all of these worlds, I've seen how important it is to define success in a much broader way that enables you to actually achieve a better performance out of it and challenge some of the myths that we have. Awesome. So brilliant stuff there. We've got a massive career to dig into. I'm sure there's a ton of lessons I didn't really know about the diplomat side of things. That must have been really interesting. So we'll dig into that a little bit later as well. So why don't you talk to us about sport? You know, I've always been fascinated with how some of the lessons from sport are absolutely 100% transferable to business. And I think that everyone watching tonight um, will totally agree that when it comes to sport, that's a competitive environment. Business is, is the same. And in order to keep on top of your game, a lot of it's going to come down to your mindset. So really wanted to hear your principles on that, how sport and business connect and, 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 and give, your, give your take on it. It'd be really interesting to hear from someone who won, won a world championship and been to the Olympics three times. It'd be awesome. Yeah, so I think we make assumptions about what competition is about. And we say, well, it's competitive. Therefore, you know, I've got to be out to kind of outdo everyone. I've got to look better than the person next to me. I've got to be number one. And, and we kind of pick on these sort of really simple things that we hear in the playground. Who's number one? Who's the winner? Who's the loser? And, and before we know it, we're in quite a binary world of winning. You know, again, when I started off in sport, I thought, you know, this all this is about is medals. How can it be anything else? That's the simplicity of it. But actually, in order to create a peak performance and to be able to sustain that, to be able to deliver that multiple times, there needs to be a much bigger framework around the pursuit of that medal that involves values, that involves a bigger meaning to why it matters, that has a sense of who else is on that journey with you and who do you need to collaborate with. And to, you know, make sure you don't get stuck in that sort of fear-based world where everybody is an opponent, the enemy, that actually, again, if we're in this sort of fear place, fear of losing, fear of people that we're competing against, we inhibit our performance. We get very tense. We hold ourselves back. So thinking about the bigger meaning behind things, the purpose, why do I want to be the best in the world at rowing? That's a really important question to start thinking about. And actually to think about what happens if I don't win a medal? You can almost think, that's impossible. Who would think that? But, you know, this year we don't even know if the Olympics are happening. They didn't happen last year. You can be injured. You could get, you know, not selected. All kinds of stuff happens. We can't control the result. What we can control is our performance. And that's what athletes get really, really good at, is controlling all of the aspects of their performance and improving them every single day. That optimizes the results, but in itself, you can't guarantee it. So they get good at that improvement learning process. You know, what you're saying, I absolutely 100% agree with, and it's an awesome concept. You can't always control the outcome, but you can control your performance, which I think is, you know, a phenomenal point and something that business owners can learn a tremendous amount from as well. Because in terms of controlling your performance, if you show up every day, you put the right things in place, you're going to go out there and you're going to make things happen. You know, sports psychology has massively moved in this area over the last kind of 20 years, really, to literally separate out the concepts of performance and results, which in business we can mix up. But we have, if we really focus on our best performance in a broad sense, so again, mindset, behaviors, relationships, as well as, you know, just, just getting good technique and getting physically stronger. If we 
maximize that, then we get the best result we can. So it's a really kind of important difference. And often from the outside, we don't see it because the media talks about the results. The interviewers talk about the results. And we think that the athletes are thinking about the results. They want them, but they're not focusing on them. They're focusing on their performance. They're focusing on all the things they need to do. They're being in the moment and actually assessing, analyzing, how can I improve stuff all the time? And that's what then enables them to win. Awesome. And I think it is massive. And one of the reasons I was really looking forward to interviewing yourself tonight, you know, that sport angle. You know, one of the things that I absolutely loved, I don't know if you ever got to see the uh, show The Last Dance. Did you see that? Yeah. Uh, Michael yeah. Gordon, yeah. You actually saw what a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal program that was. And, uh, yeah. you know, and if you looked at Michael Jordan's attitude towards winning, the way he brought his team up, um, it was really, really fascinating. And exactly, I think, you know, some of the lessons and things that you're saying there totally apply. So what was it like going to the Olympics? And, and what was it like dealing with that pressure for you? Of, of Like you said, you were under pressure to, to win, wanting to win. And, you know, how did you, how did you manage your mindset on a daily basis to kind of bring that home? Yeah, so I mean, it's brilliant to go to the Olympics. It's just like going to another planet. You know, it's just one of the most exciting things, you know, going to an opening ceremony and, you know, millions of people are watching and, you know, the spotlight is on you and that's what you've trained for and uh, you've trained for a long time for that. But there is massive pressure and the way you manage that is to focus on what you can control and let go of the other stuff. So let go of also kind of you, you need to be in a positive state of mind as much as possible. So letting go of that sort of fear of what you can't control and focusing on what you can do. And you get, I mean, actually, you know, when you're at the Olympics or the day of your races, you get really kind of in minute detail, focus on all the things I need to do. I need to fill my water bottle up. I need to get changed. I need to stretch. And, and you just map out all of those things that are setting yourself up to deliver your best performance. You're not thinking about competitors. You're definitely not thinking about winning and results because you cannot control that in that moment. You can do nothing about that. And that will actually take you into, again, a sort of a fear, a, you know, a sort of, oh, my goodness, you know, will I win or not? Well, I don't determine that. It's going to be determined by, you know, what happens, how fast the others go. And I can't control that. But what I can control is how fast I go. And I've got to optimize everything that delivers that. You know, and again, seeing it broadly, thinking about the behaviors that are really important, you know, ways of thinking. And if I get, you know, if I get distracted by something and that happens, that's fine. And you've got doubts coming in your mind. I mean, you, you know, you, the adrenaline is going way before you're even on, on the water about to line up. Then, you know, you're, you're all the time just bringing it back to, OK, what do I need to do at this point? What's going to help me? You know, and, and checking yourself to, to kind of come back all the time. What's the stuff that's actually going to help my performance? And that's what I think we get good at, you know, directing our attention. Where we direct our attention, energy comes, you know, the focus comes, the performance comes. So, you know, again, we get so many distractions in this world that actually distract us from doing what we need to do for our business, doing what we need to do on a daily basis. Because there's another email, there's another post here, there's social media doing only over here. And actually, is that helping your business? You have to be quite ruthless about focusing on the things that do. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I love it. You know, I find it really, really interesting. And, you know, one of the things that I say to people is the compounding effect of, I suppose it's the same with professional sport, in that you're training every single day to improve that performance by a small percentage. You know, that training and that continual banging of the drum is what produces the end result, isn't it? And I think that that is what a lot of business owners don't do. And I think if they did do that, they get much, much better results because a lot of people want an overnight result. 
And the reality is an overnight result doesn't exist. What does exist is four improvements every single day building on top of each other to get you in a position where you can win, right? And, and you don't even think about winning because the win comes naturally. Is that yeah. kind of where you come from? Absolutely, yeah. And I speak to them, we train thousands of business owners and speak to business owners every single day. And one of the things that they say, and one of the things, and you can tell us if you're watching in the comments, how many of you get yourself into a place where you can be temporarily motivated you know, and I want to hear from you in the comments. Maybe you can get yourself up for it temporarily. You can go out there and get yourself motivated to do a little bit, but then you hit a block and you fall flat. How many of you have had that before? And what I would like to ask, and, and you put a yes in the comments if you've been there before, what I'd like to see to understand from yourself, Kath, is that, you know, you must have had days like that. What is your process for allowing yourself to keep pushing even when you don't feel like it? So what's really important is to understand the difference between a sort of shallow external level, what we call it extrinsic motivation, and the much deeper intrinsic motivation. So when we're just motivated by external stuff, you know, rewards, bonuses, medals, then it actually doesn't enable us to tap into the deeper level of resource that we have. When we're actually motivated by a much the deeper drivers, the stuff where we're making a difference, you know, what is the impact we're having through our business, our purpose, if you like, the change that you want to see because of the product you create, whatever that is, that suddenly unlocks a much deeper well of creativity, of resilience. So when you hit the block, you're going to find a way around it because you know it matters. So tapping into that sense of purpose, and also that that basic that learning process so you know purpose and autonomy so you're making decisions about how things are done and mastery so mastery is kind of what's termed for this sort of what i say is a constant learning mindset that we're just all the time learning to do things differently we're, you know which means we're innovating we're trying new stuff we're experimenting we're taking some risks and we're always learning so even when we don't get a great outcome we've learned something and it's really important those incremental gains and the learning is part of success we need to see that and so on a daily basis when we don't get we don't hit results today because they don't come in today we've still gained something we need to be kind of really kind of allotting those gains accruing them you know building them up and going yeah i've learned something and when we get a poor outcome there's masses of learning and when we get a good outcome there's masses of learning there's always masses of learning and then we don't go on this sort of you know real high and low roller coaster of oh everything's great we've got great figures everything's a disaster we haven't we're actually just always learning Awesome. And pretty much what you're saying there, I think, is enjoy the journey, you know. And I think a lot of people don't do that, do they? Let's, let's face it, a lot of people don't enjoy the journey and they don't enjoy the process as much as they should. And you're right. And I think that especially people that are listening tonight that might be a small business owner, it's very difficult to tell a small business owner to tap into their purpose. Because right now, their purpose might be, how am I going to get through the week? Right? How am I going to make wages? How am I going to make cash flow? You know, A lot of these challenges take business owners away from their purpose and make them unconnected and make them make the wrong decisions a lot of the time. You know, But I love 100% what you're saying is, is super powerful. You know, Have you got any tips for the audience that are listening today on maybe how they can tap into what their purpose? And what would your tips be, Kath, on how somebody identifies what their purpose is? 
Yeah, and, you know, I think it's it's fine to not be 100% clear. You know, I always think we should be constantly clarifying the purpose and reviewing right. it. So don't right. get in a panic if you go, oh, my God, I don't know what my purpose is. You know, but, but you do know because you are having an impact and there's a reason why you started your business. So why do you even exist as a company? What is it that's good about your company? What are the things that, you know, deliver the results that you have had now or in the past? You know, all of that stuff is, you know, the why. Once you know the why, then, you know, that, that is part of your purpose. I think it's good to have that as a sense of an ongoing conversation, an ongoing reflection in your head about, is it still the same why? And actually now things are really, really tough and you need to think, well, you know, is it still important for my company to be here? You know, what are we going to do? What are we going to deliver for people? Why do they still need it? And there are some really hard conversations and discussions to be had about maybe people need something in a different way. Maybe the value of what I've been doing has, has gone up or gone down or people can't see it. And so it again helps us to get through these difficult times by going back to that why question. So even in the hardest of times, it can be most important at that point because the why is what will get you through. It will give you that sense of now I have to find a different way of doing something from how I used to do it because you know we're locked down or you know whatever the, the kind of restriction might be at the moment. The way we'll get around it is to know why we need to get around this difficult time. So why questions are so helpful and they can be difficult because we can't answer them in five minutes. But, you know, that is the heart of where your business value lies. I love it. Uh, you know, I love what you're saying there. And do you know what the point that I really enjoyed that you said when you came on straight away, which is totally in sync with you, is understanding that there's a lot of people, it's okay not to be 100% clear because I think you actually get two camps right? You really do. It's just, you know, thousands of people. I see it all the time. You get these two camps. You get somebody that totally knows their why. They're obsessed with their why. They run with it. They're like super channeled on it. And then you get other people that would love to feel that clarified and love to feel that, but actually they're a bit confused. Well, I don't really know. You know, it's like, well, you know, I want to achieve this. Maybe I wanted to spend more time with my family. I wanted to build a better life for my family, but I'm not sure if that's my why, or I'm not sure if it's, my, you know, but I think that, you can have multiple reasons why as well. And I think that you said it's okay not to be clear is a really, really good thing for people because I think that people get afraid of it. I think people get afraid of deep yeah. thinking. And because they become afraid of the deep thinking, what do they do? They prefer to avoid it, right? When someone yeah. fear comes up, people would prefer to avoid the fear. They do anything except confront that. You know, I'll just crack on and call some more clients there. You know, whoever it is, make some more money. Yeah. But the reality is, if you can ask yourself those questions, and a good way to do that is another point that you came up with, and, and ask yourself, why did you start your business? And then ask yourself again, you know, you followed that up with another question, not just why you started your business, but, you know, are the same reasons that you, you exist now, are they the same? And I think that asking questions of a business is really, really important. And those discussions you have with your team, because things do change. And especially if you've gone through a big change, that internal reflection is really, really important. So I love that. Some some great, great, great points there. Absolutely. And I think that will help uh, the people that are listening to the podcast or listening on live tonight in a big, big way to get a better understanding of it. So, okay, we've established that. We've established, okay, it's not, it's okay not to be 100% clear. We've come up with some good questions there about how you can establish it. When you see a business or you see somebody that is connected to their why and they're actually connected to their mission at a deeper level, um, what do you feel yeah. the benefits are for that person, that individual, that business? Be interesting to hear your take on that. Yeah, so it enables you to deal with the challenges because you know 
that I've got to get around this because it really matters because my product is what people need and it offers them value. But at the moment, they don't realize it. So, you know, again, it enables you to find a way around because you keep thinking, but how, why aren't they recognizing it when it's actually going to help them? So all the time, it's giving you that sort of process about why you've got to find a way around something. I mean, it's actually basic kind of behavioral psychology. If we hit a hurdle, we don't know why we need to go past it. We won't get over the wall. We won't get over the hurdle. So, you know, it's just how we're wired. And I think it enables us then to problem solve, to come up with different ideas, alternatives, because we know we've got to find a way. It's worthwhile persisting. So it's that creativity, it's that kind of resilience and persistence point and the ability to, you know, problem solve in, you know, to innovate, if you like, about, okay, well, how else can I do this so that people realize what it is that I'm offering? And you don't just do the same thing over and over again. If it's not delivering, well, they're not getting the value you're offering. So it's really that kind of mental process of finding ways through challenges that I think is, you know, the, the real power of it. Yeah, I agree. You know, the people that seem to be connected to their purpose of why they're running their business seem to be able to go through those brick walls, don't they? And nothing seems to stop them. So if you're somebody that struggles with persistence and struggles with the resilience that Kev's talking about, and you're somebody that struggles with blocks, then that could be something you need to actually have a, a look inside and say to yourself, you know, how do I become more connected to why I'm doing this. I think that's an awesome, awesome point. Um, you know, and that's going to certainly help people to get over some of those hurdles. I think it certainly helped me in the past to create a very relentless focus, you know, and I think that, you know, for, for an athlete or for a business owner that wants to succeed, focus is incredibly important. I think you mentioned that as you come on today. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about focus and from your perspective. How does an athlete create that focus and how does an athlete or in what you do when you work with a leadership team now, how do you get a leader within a team or an athlete to go on and really tap into focus and push on? So once you know your purpose, it's much easier to focus on the things that matter. One of the things I talk about in the long win, if you like, is is clarifying what matters. So some people, they know their purpose. Some people are frightened of that word, as you said, that that's fine. You know, it's all the time for me, it's about layer after layer of building what matters. Because only when I know what matters can I then focus on the key things that are going to be linked to that. So you create like a chain from, you know, the difference you want to make, the value you offer, the purpose, if that's the word you're comfortable with. And then from that, those are the, you only focus on the things that are related to that. If something else comes in, it's not actually going to connect with that. Then you know not to get distracted by it. And this is a massive problem at the moment where people sort of open their laptops and they just do the emails that are in front of them. That's not yeah. being focused. That's not focused on the things that matter, the things that are going to deliver the results that you want, the performance that you want to give. So, you know, again, if you don't understand what really matters, the criteria that are really important, and that's not just an out, you know, a sort of simple metric, this amount of sales or something. Yeah. It's actually yeah. what's the impact that's going to come from those sales and what, you know, where's that going to kind of go next and, and why is that important to you that, that you're the person delivering it? So you need to put a bit more around. It's just definitely not just a metric, a sort of single number. You know, if, you, if you don't have that, then it's just really difficult. You get sidetracked into answering emails or, you know, doing what's in front of you or what, whoever you know, whether the last phone call was. And that is, you know, that's disaster in terms of not putting your time where it really matters. 
I think that's an awesome couple of productivity tips. And we'll jump into, uh, we'll talk about the book in a moment. So I'm really, really keen to hear on that. I think what you, you know, what you've mentioned there is absolutely what we describe sometimes as, are you a transactional business owner or a transformational one? And a transactional business owner is going to do those transactional things every day, where a transformational one is going to drive the result home through being a bigger thinker and having a better understanding of where they're going. And when you talk about sales and you talk about marketing, you know, when I work with my teams, you know, when I'm talking about increasing sales, I'm talking about increasing sales, not because I want another sale not because I want to bring another deal in or because I want another client in, because I know that by increasing the sales, that brings more clients in. We get to help more people, which is part of the purpose. But in addition to that, that means there's more revenue, which means we can spend more money on marketing. And by being able to spend more money on marketing, that means the business is going to grow, which is going to allow us to help our purpose. And I think that sometimes a business owner can be eight moves ahead of their team and that is a problem, isn't it? There's a disconnection there when the, when the team and the business owner are not on the same wavelength. So when you train leaders, what are the, some, what are some of the tips you give to someone on leadership? So I know you've got a big uh, background in leadership as well, Kath. Yeah, so a lot of my work is working with leaders, leadership teams, and teaching on business school programs. And, you know, this is a really important part about the next stage of bringing purpose alive is it can't just be something that only the boss knows. It can't be something that, you know, is somehow, you know, a, a complex discussion we have at a different time. It needs to be part of the everyday. Everybody, at whatever level, however much they earn, however much seniority or they have, they all need to know how they connect to that purpose if you want them to give their best performance and for them to make decisions about what they spend their time on. So if they're, you know, if again, they're not clear, the danger is, you know, you're paying them and they're spending time on stuff that isn't moving the dial for what you want. So it needs to be brought alive. Literally every interaction, every meeting, every conversation you have, you need to know how that's connecting to the why. So it's living it. It's really breathing it. It's helping people all the time. And then when you're not there, they're able to make that connection and spend their time on the stuff that matters. You want to help their decision making. You can't tell them what to do. It doesn't work. And you're not there all the time anyway. But what you can do is get them clear about the things that are most important. And then they will make better decisions about how they spend their time. And suddenly that kind of raises the collective performance. Absolutely. Set the culture set the culture around the why and get people following it. You know, if you don't set the culture, somebody else will, right? And you don't want somebody else's culture, you want yours. Absolutely great point there. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit about the book. So uh, we had a chat beforehand and um, having written some books, I know uh, another post, <laughs> you worked really hard on it and you got great accolades from it and you said, you know, the Financial Times said it was one of the top 10 books of uh, business books of 2020. So why don't you tell everyone what the book is and then we'll talk a little bit about how you come to putting that together and, and some of the lessons that people can learn from the book. Mm. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Yeah, great. So, I mean, you know, it's taken about four years of writing and it was really about making sense of everything that I'd experienced in those different careers and how the way we define success drives how we think, how we behave, how we connect, and then what happens, that performance and the results that come from that. And in all of those worlds, it, it was the same. And I realized that we're not often paying enough attention to how we define success. And particularly in sport, there's this shift where it's not just how much do you want to win? And we can see 
see that in the Hollywood movies and we get kind of distracted by that. No, it is this performance focus. It is this ruthless learning, you know, and these incremental games all of the time. So, you know, I just thought I really want to, you know, help dispel some myths, dispel some of this sort of easy language about, oh, I just want to be number one. I want to be the winner. You know, it doesn't mean anything and get back to that. What are the things that are going to help you to explore your potential over a much kind of longer term basis as well? So it's not just a short term metric. It's not just winning a race. It's not just this year's results. No, it's about the impact you're having and and what happens after the race and what happens after this year's results. Where are you going to go after that? Because we've got really short term in how we define things. So the book looks at, you know, the first part looks at, if you like the, you know, the myths, how ingrained it is that we all, we want to be a winner and it starts in the playground and we label people winners and losers. And at that point, we start excluding people who've got different ideas but really good ideas because there can only be one winner well this is a world that is increasingly diverse and we realize we need to harness all of the insights so let's not kind of get into that binary thinking that discards people with great ideas great perspectives a lot of entrepreneurs are people who haven't necessarily done well at school because they had other answers they had other perspectives (laughs) and so you know exactly so let's not fall into that trap of yeah but recognize that you know the history books are full of the mighty heroes you know the warriors who are the winners it that's not what's what happens in the 21st century it's people who've got mouse who've got that kind of innovative thinking who understand you know people and communities and what's needed so I kind of try and dispel some of those myths then I look at how an obsession with winning when it's narrow plays out plays out badly in business in sport in education in politics this sort of obsession with just being number one and trampling over people actually holds us back and then I look at the long win in the final part and how as we've talked quite a lot about clarity of what matters is the first step so clarifying our purpose constant learning approach so we're all the time learning we value that we see that as part of success I've had a good day when I've learned something I've tried something new I've gained something I didn't know yesterday I've tried something out I've improved my mindset my focus that's a good day not just when I hit the numbers because all of that good stuff is what drives the numbers and then connection people you know we can't succeed on our own so let's make sure we put that again as a priority and how we spend time and not just emails and tasks but actually prioritize relationships and investing in those We'll talk about that in just a moment. We'll come on to relationships because it's really, really important. Massive, massive part of business, which is massively overlooked. You know, one of the things that we constantly tell our clients is that building relationships is a massive priority in business and people just don't do it. You know, people are so in their own bubble or on their own island that they don't focus on going out there and meeting other people, building relationships. Let's hear your take, if you don't mind, on that cap in terms of relationships. How does that play into things for you? Yeah, I I mean, I find it extraordinary why we don't invest in it. But it's almost like, again, our systems, you know, the Outlook calendar, the, you know, the to-do list, the people don't appear on it. Building relationships, influence, investing in influence. Well, I, I can't do that Tuesday, three o'clock uh, for an hour. You know, it's got to be part of how we go about things. And if it's not scheduled, it doesn't happen. Whereas actually we should all the time, again, at the end of the day, not just think, did I do all my emails or did I tick off my to-do list? But actually, who did I influence today and how? How did I deepen the relationship with the people I spoke to? Because that's when you're really increasing the quality of what you're doing, not the quantity. We get stuck on, I've got to do more, more, more. Actually. 
you know, and this is going to relate perhaps to that question coming in a moment, what's the quality of what you're doing? If those interactions are kind of meaningful, then they're going to last for the longer term. They're also going to yield more for you in all sorts of ways and, and broaden your network network further, broaden your learning, broaden your perspective. So, you know, again, we can chase quantity of stuff, doing things, ticking off tasks without putting relationships first. I think it should be, you know, a main part of how we review. If I had a good day, if I had a good week, not just all the meetings and stuff, but actually which relationships have I moved on and which are going to be important next week to invest in and who isn't at the moment in the calendar who needs to be. I've got a full calendar. But is it with the people that you need to be talking to? And that needs to be conscious that you think about, yeah, who do I need to have on this journey with me who's going to add value to what I do? Absolutely. Really, really important. I built a, a success planner for our clients recently. And in that success planner, you'll be pleased to see it's just five relationships to touch base with every day. Great. You know, a couple of principles that I, I train people on Great. is that that the deepening a relationship but also say you've got to go after business new business for three hours a day every single day you don't want to get lost in the tasks you know you've got to go and build those relationships grow your relationships and build constantly so some amazing tips there hey everybody adam here and i hope you loved today's episode hope you thought it was fabulous and if you did i'd like to ask you a small favor could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review of course i'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review we're putting our all into this podcast for you delivering you the content giving you the secrets and if you've enjoyed it please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps every single month i select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day meeting hundreds of my clients so if you want that to be you then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on itunes please of course do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes peace and love and i'll see you very very soon thank you